You're listening to the OHL in 60 podcast. I'm Reese Demaney along with Colin Ward. And Colin, as of Sunday, December 17th, so two days ago, the OHL in 60 podcast turns four years old. Getting ready for kindergarten, Wardy. Yeah. Yeah, out of the preschool in the kindergarten. Um, Dan. Yeah, and it's uh came up on my memories, and that's kind of what reminds me about it every year because you think back to December 19th, or December 17th, I should say, um, 2019. Um, I'd say the world was a little bit more normal than it is right now. Uh, getting ready for the world juniors, getting ready for, of course, Christmas, the new year, uh, heading into 2020. Uh, little did we know, our show would see a total of, what, three months of OHL yeah. hockey? Two and a half, three months of OHL hockey, and then none for a year and a half. And a lot of Muskegon uh, Lumberjack yes. posts yeah. as well. Yeah, that, yeah, this is crazy. I'm just going through the timeline right now, Reese. It's pretty funny. Obviously, the trade deadline, January 10th, um, 2020. Remember the trade of Kitchener and... Um, Owen Sound, where Owen Sound got Kitchener's 2020 second round pick, and then Kitchener received 2022 second round pick and the 2024 third round pick. That might, that's the weirdest trade in show history. I would say so. Yeah, I gotta look out who the player was, but that third round pick still out there. Um, just crazy. This year's draft, that third round pick. Yeah. So, um, I've got that up for you. It was the yeah. Oshawa Kitchener deal, right? Um, cause we, cause so, um, Oshawa acquires Ryan Stepien. Yep. 2021 second, 2022 second, 2022 third rounder and a 2024 third rounder for Saren Noel. Nice trade. Yeah. There's a couple One of the bigger of... trades that year. Yeah. There's a few fun trades here that happened. Uh, Phil Tomasino for nine picks in a player. Yeah. Going from Niagara to Peterborough. Um, of course, Akil Thomas going to Peterborough for four picks and Cam Butler. Yeah, yeah. there was there were quite a few big moves that year. Matei Pakar. Involved in a trade that year between Sudbury and Barry, uh, London acquiring Marcus Phillips that year from the Guelph Storm. Yeah, there's a few fun trades that year that happened, and it's funny how it's just like four years later, what all goes down and what's happening now. Like, yeah. it's funny how every year it's the same pattern of trades that we get throughout the year, but in the same way, it's just different. And it's cool to see the history of each trade, how it occurs. Because I scroll through here and you see the picks for picks get swapped type trades, right? And it's like, that's kind of cool to see um, how that turns into now, like who these players are and who these players are turning into be. Um, I think that's kind of cool to see the development come through the trades now looking back at it. That's the one thing about now that being the four years old, we get to see those players that we were that were 12 years old um, turn into uh, turn into OHLers. Well, well, here's one for you, Wardy. We just saw him on Friday. Uh, Saginaw and Barry, kind of the, you could say the blockbuster deal, I guess. Um, Suzuki, Fleming, Beck, and a fifth going to Saginaw. 
Um, and then we have four, five, six picks along with Ethan Cardwell and Connor Punnett going to the Barry Colts. Big trade. That's a big trade for both sides. I mean, you think about what Cardwell and Punnett brought to the table. I mean, what Punnett brings to the table right now, I love his game. I think that's one of the best pieces available at the deadline right now as a defense for a defenseman. Um, I think a lot of, I think a lot of teams are going to be in the market for Connor Punnett just for the fact what he brings to the table. Um, so that's that's enticing to me uh, to see Punnett's name out there because maybe he gets traded once again. And plus, what Ethan Cardwell brought to the table last year um, for the Barry Colts, such a big a- such a big acquisition for that team um, at the time, and what Barry's done, um, good deal for both sides. But it's pretty cool to see how Punnett um, still being the last lap in the league and. Um, what he brings to the table and he could be on the block again up in a couple weeks here. Um, post roster freeze, uh, or trade freeze, I guess, uh, um, out of the break. Yeah. You can also look back to not one, but two podcast showdown banners being raised to the rafters for the Owen 60 podcast at the time. Um, you know, you look back at interview number one that we did on the show with Hunter Jones. Still, I would say is a top three interview that we've had um, on this oh, show. Oh, for sure. Um, I don't think it's close, or that's a pretty good argument, I should say. Um, yeah, I mean, to Gavin Bryant being introduced as the show intern. Yeah. Yeah, a lot to go through here, Wardy. But, yeah, there's uh, some fun ones The Sandbagger. Yeah. Yeah, it's um it's fun. I mean, when the QMJHL played in COVID and we didn't, we did a featured game in the queue between Charlottetown oh, and yeah. Moncton. The dub too. Yeah, yeah, we did do a dub one, didn't we? Regina and Saskatoon. Correct. Yes. At the Brant Center in Regina. We gotta get there. Like yeah, that great. looks like a nice arena. That's a nice yeah. fa- that's a nice facility. Yeah, but uh, yeah, just scrolling through, um, of course, the draft class um, that saw the number one pick overall be Quentin Musty, uh, number two, Callum Ritchie, number three, Cam Allen. Yeah, it's you scroll back and the memories start coming back, eh, Wardy? It's uh, yeah, it's pretty cool to see all the history. Yeah, it's it's. Makes you think four years, like holy crap. Yeah, it goes by quick too, man. But remember day one. Yeah. That's yeah. crazy. In the it's in the weird. studio teaching people how to drop hockey pucks. Yeah, that, uh, yeah, that was the top prospects game in Hamilton, right? Lafreniere. Um game. That was that was brutal. Uh that puck drop was the most awkward ceremonial puck drop of all time. Um in hockey. All of hockey. Um, yeah. that was the most awkward by far. It was, it was like, it was like suit and ties, just dropping a puck and they didn't really want to yeah. drop the puck and they didn't know what to do. Big time. Um, so it was kind of funny, uh, how that all went down, but yeah, that all the memories. Are... Yeah. And then, I mean, to cap it all off, one of the bigger events, the outdoor showcase that the Bulldogs put on, um, between the generals and, and Bulldogs yeah, was, that was, was pretty cool. sweet at Tim Hortons field. So I would say that was the most special that in the finals, obviously the finals was pretty big. Um, but yep, the outdoor yep. the outdoor game was pretty fun. That was cool. Um, yeah, the outdoor game was special for sure. Well, four years, Colin. 
Uh, let's see if we can do four more. You think so? I think we could. Oh yeah, get to eight. Eight, yeah, absolutely. What's the prime? What's the prime? What's a prime for a broadcaster, podcaster, podcast? What's the prime of your career? You know, like we're twenty five years old. Ooh, so what is what is man, the prime? Good question. What is the prime of a broadcaster? Because you think about it, if you're, I mean, if you're if you're forty five and up, yeah, you have a lot of stories to tell. You have a ton of stories, a lot of wisdom, right? He's like called every broadcaster in the OHL over forty-five, yeah, but, ancient. No, 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 no. You, they have all the stories. They have <laughs> yeah, all the they stories. Do, yeah, you're right. Like, all like the ones that like the like they get to call games for like good teams and traditional well history historic franchises. Those are the ones with stories. Yeah. Those are the ones that we like to socialize with, right? That because one, you get wisdom from them and it's a learning experience. Every time you talk to somebody that's been in the business for that long Two, you put your time and dues in, which is huge. You're well-respected. And I just think that like, that's kind of the prime. I would say if you're like 45 years old, you're kind of in the prime of your career. Yeah. Yeah. It's, like you think unless, about it, like unless you're 20, Mike Emmerich, he yeah his prime was kind of everywhere or, or all the time, or Ken Daniels, Mickey Redman, yeah, yeah, number one voted local broadcast in the National Hockey League. Um, I, think I just think last like here, I believe. Yeah, I just think though, what is the prime? Like yeah. you know, the prime, of, like the prime of an NHL career is what twenty six, twenty seven years old to thirty one years old. Man, That's I think it's starting to get career. lower. I think you go same, 24 the, to 30, 31. Same. Well, the way the talent is and the way some of these guys are, like McDavid. Like, look at McDavid last year at 25, 26 years old. Yeah, like, I can't believe he's 25, 26. That's insane. I can't believe he's 97, too. That's nuts. Yeah. That's crazy to think, like, how, like, I mean, look at Connor Bedard. Yeah. I mean, Bedard, the scary thing is about how nasty he's going to be when he's 24 years old. That's a scary Hopefully he's thing. He's got some support year around him in, in Chicago by that time, too. Yeah, year six in the league. Ooh. Yeah. I just think, like, what is the prime? Like, we know the prime of an OHL career, probably 19, 20 years old. 19 years old is the dominant age in the interior hockey league, I would say. 19 yeah. years old, your second year coming back for, uh, you've been drafted now for two years at the next level. That's the ideal player. Um, that's something, go year before your OA year. Mm-hmm. Um, is the prime if you're a contending team is the year you want to build around um to win a championship in the Jay Ross Robertson Cup. Yeah. But that um that's just an interesting, interesting question and an interesting thought I had in my head. Um we were talking about that. What is the prime of a prod of a podcaster? Uh I wonder what that is. But you know, when you look around look around like all the wisdom and stuff like it's kind of cool to think about. Yeah. Absolutely. No, and it's it's been a ride four years that only involved about two and a half worth of OHL hockey. Yeah. Um, well, last year was the first full year. Yeah. Right? Uh, yeah. Last year, year before was yeah because no we didn't see any Western Conference teams yeah. either. Um, at least in in Hamilton, of course, there were some cross conference when it came to Erie playing a couple of Eastern Conference teams, but um, yeah, it's uh, we're in the full swing of things. Of course, and I mean this year is going to be, of course, the last year with with Mister Branch at the helm. So um, that'll be a new era of OHL hockey. We would we would expect Possibly. and hope, and 
Yeah, well, we'll see how it goes. Again, like it's it was nice to get the full season in 21-22, but uh 2022-2023 was really that that number one year that uh Absolutely. that we saw. So I guess yeah, you could say we had half a season before COVID, have had two seasons and now we're into a half. Yeah, three full seasons and then yeah, okay. Between yeah. two and a half and three, we're around there, but um, it's been a ride, that's for sure. And and everyone who has tuned in um, the entire way throughout the four years, obviously, we we really appreciate it. Matty Rowe out uh, out west in in Saskatchewan, um, the Brad Urbanowitz, um, yeah, those are the real on. two OG OHL and sixty O and sixty fans. Um, so always got to give a shout out to them as we celebrate the four year anniversary here on the OHL and 60 podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks to everyone that um, does their part. Appreciate that. And um, thanks for listens week in and week out. Appreciate that. So let's get to the content. And this is our last show of 2023 as well. Um, we are going to yeah. take our holiday break and we will be back. Oh, I was just about the, to look it up. The eighth. The date. Yeah. The eighth. So the ninth is it's the ninth is when it'll release. Yes. And then we'll be back. So we'll probably, if we're recording on the eighth, there will be trades before we release the podcast. The OA deadline big time is on Tuesday. So there will be trades before that and during their recordings to release in that day span, that 20, 21 hour uh, span. There's going to be trades in that time zone. Um, but the following week on the 15th, we record 16th. We will be back. We will have all the content recapping the trades, numerous of guests talking about the le- talking about the trades, buyers, sellers, each team. So we'll have your team covered as well, um, whatever team you may be cheering for. So don't worry about that. We'll be back and we'll recap all those trades, which is kind of the better thing to do because we've this is hey this is one thing we could say we're veterans on now of four years. This is our third trade deadline, Reese. It's kind of funny because last year, twenty twenty two, and now this year. Um, coming so it's kind of interesting i feel like we've done it both ways we've recorded the day of the trade deadline we've recorded the night of the trade deadline um after before i think after is better for that recap because just so then you don't miss anything if you're recording before you can preview it and stuff that's why i think it's a great time for us to release on the ninth but Mm -hmm. with us like it's kind of hard to have that come out just like that like the show come out during the trade deadline because you miss stuff. I like it after yeah. it allows us to book guests. It allows us to really have an organized show to allow the max capacity of views slash slash helpers as well to get as many opinions on the show as we can get for the trade deadline to talk about their respected clubs. Because I think that's the best part of the trade deadline. I think that's what makes it special. I think us, you want to know, I think everyone wants to know what their team's thought process is behind this trade, what the team's thought process is, to be a buyer what it is to be a seller what it is to stay the same why didn't we go in on this guy why were there so many picks on this player i think the tr- the discussions like that is to why we like to recap it because it's mm-hmm. so much better and so much more informative if we do that it allows us to be able to do that instead of before so i'm excited for that the trade deadline is the most special time of the year um it's a great time and it's going to be exciting to talk about that in a couple of weeks time for sure yeah and i think a lot of the time at least the first show coming back into 2024, we're going to be recapping a world juniors that we hope to see Canada bring home a gold medal. So um, yeah. that'll be, that'll be big for that show. That's for sure. 
um, which actually we do have some championship uh, announcements, you could say, at least with one OHLer so far. Um, of course, hope to have five slash six, even though he hasn't played in the OHL this season. Um, hope to have those many players coming back um, or that many players coming back with a gold medal to the Ontario Hockey League. So this is kind of what the show looks like to wrap up um, not only the first unofficial first half of the Ontario Hockey League season, but to wrap up the calendar year 2023 for the OHL and 60 podcast. Of course, we will look back on the final weekend before the holiday break, uh, touch on the players of the week as well. What we'll also get into is some surprises at the holiday break, maybe yeah. some, some disappointments, um, you know, we'll also maybe get into the discussion about, you know, we've seen enough time. These players have, have gone out so far in the 23, 24 season. So we'll get into who could get to 50 goals. Should we who could get to a hundred points? Um, I feel like that's a pretty interesting discussion heading towards Christmas and the holiday break. Um, and then of course the power rankings in the Ontario hockey league, and we will look ahead to the world juniors and, and look ahead to see if Team Canada has a an or another shot to three peat um, as as world junior gold medalists uh, this time in Sweden. But um, let's start thoughts on the weekend, Colin, um, and you can kick things off here. There's a few headlines to run through, but um, you know, heading into the heading into the holiday break, I think uh, there are a lot of important games for certain teams, not only in the West but in the East as well. Um, and just, I mean, where do you start calling? Cause there were, there were quite a few. Yeah. Well, first off, I think we got to touch on the second spirit with Cliff, with, uh, Chris Lazary getting his 155th career win on the weekend. I think, uh, for the all time spirit winning his coach and, uh, spirit history, I guess, Chris Lazary, um, congrats on that great speech post game, by the way. I don't know if you saw it or not, but, uh, Braden Hache having the message like that, yeah. um, talking about how you're like a dad to us type thing. Um, that's that's cool. That's really special to see when teams can do that, allow after a milestone win to get that footage like that from the room. I think that's what fans want to see. That's what the consumer wants to see out of the league. Um, so props to the Saginaw Spirit for doing that, a little behind-the-scenes feature. Um, special 155 career wins. Uh, that's impressive. And um, Saginaw's grown so much since he's taken over, man. Um, I think the Spirit, like, are they ever out of it with Chris Lazary in charge? I no, I I don't even think a little bit. No, you can't ever count yeah. them out. I would say I think, and it's been the level of consistency that you would expect. You know, you get an extension Absolutely. with him, and you're like, okay, we're comfortable. This is the guy. No need to worry. Not only team staff not having to worry, but the yeah. players as well. Is who's going to be behind them when they're getting ready to hop onto the ice? So, um, no, that's a that's a big accomplishment. And you know, with the Saginaw Spirit, it's you know you've seen a lot of really good talent come through that organization. And, and we're not just talking on, on the ice on the behind the bench as well. And absolutely, you know, when, when you set milestones like this, when you set records like this, um, not that you're put on notice because a lot of people know who he is, but it, it, it kind of puts your name out there. Like, Oh wow. Like good for him. You know, let's see. And I'm sure a lot of eyes from the pro level be beyond him. Um, you know, looking ahead towards the future about some pro jobs um, yeah. coming up. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and 
my second third of thought on the weekend was Matthew Plotcher obviously coming back. It's kind of more of a headline. What does that do for Guelph? Does it do something or does it do nothing? Me personally, I think it does nothing. I think that's a I think that's Boston loaning Plotcher to the World Juniors, letting him get some ice time, let him play, let him be the one of the leaders on that team, um, letting him letting the almost the team go through him, letting him go through the team, vice versa, having a good relationship on the ice with Hockey Canada, um, allowing him to get confidence, let him play a little bit more, and I think he comes right back to Boston, but. That's, I think, a tournament decision. I think how the tournament goes if he goes back to Guelph. But what do you think that does for Guelph? Yeah, it's it, it's interesting because I think with Boston, you're in a position where you've still got that comfortable lead over Toronto, five-point lead. Um, you know, it, there's no reason to really uh, – and panic's not the right word, but there's no real reason to um, worry if you're missing a guy who's been a key contributor exactly. early on. Um, you know, you think about guys who are gone, uh, Bergeron, Krejci, and well, Boston's still just as good, so they've never had an issue about putting new guys in new roles. So, I think um, the time off, too, it yeah, exactly. And so, so I mean, from the side of the Bruins, I think they were okay with this because of the spot they've put themselves in. Thank yeah. you to Poitra, um, a lot of the time, but when, when it comes to the Guelph Storm. I am 100% sure, maybe not 100% because I, I don't know, but I could say maybe 80% sure that there may have been a phone call from the Guelph Storm, George Burnett to the Boston Bruins front office and be like, so he's going to the juniors. How yeah. would you feel about him joining us for a championship run coming yeah. up here? You know, I think I think that's at least whether it's happened or not. I doubt it because it only happened on Monday that he got to. He got sent to Team Canada, but um, I think that's got to be in the back of the mind of of George Burnett and and the front office in Guelph, thinking, "Hey, we have an opportunity. If Guelph likes their spots, and you know, with Boston, you've already burned a year of the contract. Mm-hmm. That's that's a tough pitch to to try and get someone to Guelph. Oh. But I think that's step number one is to make that phone call hurt. and see what's up." Yeah, and hopefully he doesn't get hurt. But if he gets hurt, that would be back to Boston for sure for the rehab. Absolutely. Um, yeah, probably 80% chance he goes back to Boston, 20 to Guelph. Um, if I were to put it into odds, maybe 90 to 10. Yeah, um, yeah that's accurate. I just think it's one of those situations where, yeah, every time you send a kid back like that, you're going to have that talk automatically. Yeah. Um, Guelph's in a great situation. I mean, if, you get, if that happened, if the 10% odds happen for you um, – and you get Matthew Poitra on at the beginning of January after the New Year's a weekend in January, and then you get uh, Cam Allen a month back, a month later. Um, post you don't really have to buy, February. in my opinion. Yeah, well, that's <laughs> the thing, right? But yeah, but that's the thing though. Guelph with Poitra and Allen are they better than Sue and better than Kitchener? Because yeah. those are the in Saginaw now. Because um, those are the three teams in the West, and London and Guelph are that tier below right now. Because every time they go to win, they lose a bad one. But man, I tell you, like massive shootout win this weekend over Sue. Mm-hmm. Um, Sue with a massive win over Kitchener. Yes. Um, it's just like what, like what tier are they in? Like I pick, like the way I look at it right now, the Western Conference is by far the best conference in the Ontario Hockey League. No, yep. no beating around the bush there. It just is. Um, the two teams are the two powerhouses up top right now, and rightly so. They have shown that head-to-head matchups with teams, and they've shown so far, in my opinion, that Sault Ste. Marie and Kitchener are the two best teams in the Ontario Hockey League and in the Western Conference, obviously. Um, Saginaw's that 
right there with them, maybe just a tad below. Mm-hmm. Deadline will change that. And then you have the Guelphs in the Londons there in that tier below in the West. So it's just interesting. Guelph and London have so much pressure to get into that bubble. I don't know if they're in that arena. And I was talking about this today, actually, on Monday. I was talking about how it's funny how Reese, like, the fifth place team in each conference has the toughest decision in hockey. That is the toughest decision at the trade deadline, the fifth, the fourth and fifth place team. You see all the time the fourth place team will sell. It's like, why? Remember Saginaw last year? Yeah. That was some M Cup. But you, you'll see that all the time. So the fifth place team has a massive gap and a massive decision to make. It's a hard decision to be in that, right? If you're not in the elite two, elite three of the group, What's your decision? But Guelph giving Cam Allen back most definitely probably sways that decision. It'll yep. be, it will be interesting to see, though, what happens with Quatra. I think that's the most intriguing thing to think because I think Guelph is in that category with the Saginaws, the Sioux, and the Kitcheners if Quatra were to come. But that's a heat, massive if. And then you get Cam Allen back in February. I think that's huge. Um, you get those guys back in your lineup. And, I mean, Gillespie's been a stud back there all year and that. And then you had a yes. defenseman. And Bushinger comes back from World Junior Camp and lights it up. Yep. And then um, Donovan and Bramford as well, lighting it up as well. Um, two guys that get a release from the World Junior Camp come back. And, I mean, six points combined on Saturday. Um, just, a game, just a game and a half or two and a half games back, they had six points combined by the two pl- by the two defensemen. So that's impressive. And um, speaking of Jordan and Donovan, mm-hmm. um, He's the, he has the most career goals by a Bulldogs defenseman um, in Bulldog history. So Jordan Donovan, the new record holder in Brantford for the most goals by a defenseman, most career goals by a defenseman, I should add. Um, Reese, I have two more for you. Yep. This one, I don't know if you saw it or not, but Sunday afternoon, a very heartwarming moment in the Ontario Hockey League that makes this league so great. Ruslan gazes off for the London Knights, scores yeah. a tying goal and winning goal on Sunday. That was the date. A year ago on Sunday, his teammate and roommate, good buddy of his, Abakar Kuzbekov, passed away. Um, that's why you love the Ontario hockey. That's why you love hockey right there. That makes you love sports um, in that matter. Um, you don't like, – I don't think there was a lot of dry eyes in London on Sunday, and rightly so. Um, yeah. I don't think you can script it better than that. I don't think you can script uh, anything better than that. Scoring the tying goal plus the winning goal – on the day of, um, had to mention that on the show right now. I mean, obviously player of the week as we'll get to that next topic, but it's just, that's special. And I think that's the one that makes this league so great. And it makes us, it makes sports in that matter. The yeah. best there is that's right up there in the all time, um, heartwarming moments in sports, I would say, um, for myself. Yeah, I would agree with that, and and I mean it's 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 fitting that uh, it happens in a game not only on the on the anniversary of when it happened, but yeah. um, you know the the time that your all teams kind of disperse and and go away from each other for about a week, and you're, yeah. you go and join your family and um, you know be a part of the holiday season with everyone. So I mean, for the imports, it might be a little bit more difficult to get home and back. I know um, Lena Sindstrom was going to Toronto to fly time. back home. Sunday. Yeah, I mean, that's a, <laughs> 11 yeah. days, man. 11 days, you could. That's, that's, yeah, you could, yeah. Um, but it kind of that time, it makes it a little bit more special, I would say. And, I mean, it's nothing's ever special about when you have an anniversary of a tragedy or anything. But I think for a story like this, it kind of does. 
make it a little bit special. So not only for, for Gazazov, but for the entire London Knights organization. Yeah, absolutely. And my last point from this week on my thoughts of the weekend, Reese, and it's kind of interesting. It was more of a random thought. Saw this twice live this week. Got a week. few of those. Saw this, exactly. Saw this twice live this weekend. Saw it on Twitter a couple times. Commercials. Do we go to commercial breaks off icings? No, absolutely not. I hate that point. I Thank hate you. that. And, Thank and you. Still, that bugged me. This I saw week, that on Twitter too. Mark yeah. Perry. Shout out to yes. him for putting it out there. Um, yes, that's and, right. And, and David Bowen for agreeing to it. Um, yeah, hundred percent. We should not be going to commercial off icings. Like, yeah. Why do we go to that, commercial off icings? What's, what's the point? What's the point of it not being able to change then? So why not let them change? Yeah. Why not let the team change? I like that. Every I saw that tweet. I was thinking about it Friday evening. And then I was, and we've talked about this Reese off air and at games with the Bulldogs at least once every other week or once a week, at least during a game. I'll be like, that makes no sense being able to change off an icing type thing. And it just doesn't to me. What's the point of it? And also I hate the extra commercial break. Um, I, I'm not a fan of that. I mean, I don't think the game time, I don't think time has slowed the game down. Yeah. I'm just not a fan of the extra commercial break because in the playoffs, man, the matchup that first round. Remember the old remember the old sports net games when they used to do that, and then all of a sudden, well, you get the three the per, three wow. of the period, then the matchup, right? The good teams just load say. up on the bad teams. This yeah. year's not really that big of a factor until the finals, but that's kind of a joke too, by the way. Um, how the all of a sudden the finals we get the three commercial breaks in the period and stuff like that. The game just changes. The, the flow of the game's just going to change. Yeah. Well, and that's a that's the thing. What's the point of signing a major TV deal, um, and then they only cover the finals? Like what, yeah. what, what are we doing here? Unless you only paid a hundred bucks, then I mean, I guess, but like, yeah. but like, that's the thing we had this conversation. Um, and I mean, with us being at a lot of Bulldogs games, you have that conversation with the, with the likes of Reed Duffy, Troy Issachar about, you know, what, what is the point of being partnered with TSN for the broadcasts? And then they just do the finals. A, it sucks for the, you know, the home TV guys that don't get to do the games. Um, yeah. You know, whereas, I mean, I traditionally like turning on the radio a lot more um, for guys around the league. So I guess for me, it's not a huge deal. But, um, you know, those those guys, they have the opportunity to call a finals. And then, oh, no, sorry, TSN's coming in. We didn't do anything all year, but now we're going to come in and do the finals. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's that's exactly the same thing. And, I mean, it, the sports night games were long, long days nights afternoons what whatever it might be a sunday afternoon friday night hockey on sportsnet the saturday chl saturday showcase i mean i enjoyed that you had one game a week Same here. i think i miss that you know it was it was something that and again being at the arena three commercial breaks it really sucked having a three-hour game but at the same time, the, the it, it gave you the feel that, oh, it's on national TV. Like for players, you could feel like, oh, this is pretty cool. Whereas TSN, no, you got to make the finals to be on national TV. Sorry about your luck. Yep. But yeah, yeah, no, I don't like that because it's not really growing the game. Then all of a sudden, Memorial Cup comes and it's like, oh, it's on. Yeah. You know, so like I don't I'm not a fan of that. Um oh the other network is, has the Stanley Cup playoffs. Maybe we should actually put something on yeah. there instead of doing it all. Well, that's all it long. is. That's yeah. all it is, right? Yeah, it's, and besides, it's, no Canadian team's going to win the Stanley Cup anyways. Big time. So, yep, absolutely. Um, Yeah, for me, a couple of the headlines and then a couple of thoughts on the weekend here. I mean, let's start with the Niagara Ice Dogs. Urban Padrekar, uh, Team Slovenia winning the gold medal uh, on home ice, defeating Ukraine. 
uh, in Division One um, for the U20 World Championship. And this was an undefeated tournament uh, for Team Slovenia. Uh, they'll be promoted to Division One Group A, part of Division One Group B this year round, but they will head to Group A uh, for the 2025 Double IHF season. Um, and just congratulations to Padrekar. Um, I know there will be a pretty cool ceremony um, for him at Meridian Center when he returns, um, and just just pretty cool. I I don't think we're going to see as big a I don't want to say big a deal because it's a huge accomplishment, but it's not going to be the likes of when Akil Thomas came back after he won gold with Team Canada, but it'll still be a what one heck of a, a ceremony, one heck of an accomplishment here for, for Padre Carr. So congratulations to him uh, and Team Slovenia on winning gold and being promoted to Division I Group A. Um, also, we did have a couple of trades uh, that I wanted to get to as well. A couple of big guys, or actually you could say, yeah. So um, we'll we'll start Kitchener-Kingston. Roman Schmidt um, goes from Kitchener to Kingston. After hyping him up last week. Yeah, yeah he, uh, he, he goes to Kingston. Kitchener getting back a Saginaw second rounder in 2026, a Windsor third rounder in 2027. Kingston then makes another deal, this time with the Guelph Storm. They send Thomas Budnick, uh, to Guelph. Guelph sends Sarnia's second rounder in 2026, Kitchener's third rounder in 2026, and then Guelph's third rounder in 2027. So Kingston kind of swapping guys there. Um, that coming down on December 12th. And then, well, Colin, this one kind of, the way it was announced was a little disappointing. Um <laughs> Uh, on social media, <laughs> let's you're going to trade for a player. Let's spell his name right. Um, that's the fine of the week. If that, we're going King's yeah, Court, man, that's, that's the fine of the week. King, that's the King's Court fine of the week. For sure. Yeah. yeah for sure. That's um, Captain yeah. Obvious. Key to the game is it's, back. Key to the week is back. Like, if you're going to trade it, for a player, and if you're going to, if you are going to acquire that player, yeah. spell the name right. Yeah. It's G E E, not D E E. But I think what made it worse is because it was spelt one way on social media and spelt the right way on the graphic. Yeah, <laughs> that's. It tough. could have been. I'm I'm hoping it's autocorrect, and but the fact that when you don't quickly delete it, read. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, that's that's a good point, Reese. I should have thought about that. Yeah, proofread it. Yeah. So Flint and Mississauga hooked up for a deal. Uh, Mississauga Steelhead sending three picks to Michigan. Um, their own eighth rounder in 2026, their 11th rounder in 2026, and their own third rounder in 2027, along with a Guelph Storm 12th round pick in 2024. Uh, Mr. D, just kidding, it's with a G. Um, uh, <laughs> Reed, <laughs> oh, man, I'm gonna botch this so much because I'm laughing. <laughs> oh, geez, Reed G heads to Mississauga from the Flint Firebirds. So when you read that, um, yeah, that uh, three trades went down then over, and, over this past week. And it's just going to continue. I mean, there's a trade free, so it won't continue right away, but uh, you get into the first, second week of January and there you go. Yeah. I just think it's a lot of picks for Mississauga to give up. Yeah. Right now. I would say so. I think that's just making a move, trying to win the weekend here. Like that's a lot of picks to move that could be of your own. Yeah, that could be useful in about a week's time when you get back here. Then it could be useful to get those picks before the deadline. But oh well, jumping the gun a little bit, in my opinion, Mississauga. But 
we'll see how it turns out for sure. Um, yeah, it's definitely going to be interesting though, to see what happens here. Yeah, absolutely. Um, quick look. One, one interesting thing that, that I uh, saw over the weekend, and I mean, it's not a huge surprise. Colin, I think we each had um, a couple of teams. I think you had four or five teams getting to 20 wins. Yep. Um, I only had three, and that was Kitchener, Sioux, and Saginaw. Um, so London gets to 20 as well um, as we head into the holiday break. And one interesting note, Saginaw Spirit, um, four games in hand on Kitchener, um, yeah. nine points back. So you got to win it. You got to win those win four, it. absolutely. Same with but... the suit. Honestly, like right now, it's massive that Kitchener got that win against Barry. They get a three-point lead on Sioux. Yeah, because I'm telling you right now, man, Sue, Sue's a team to watch in the Ontario Hockey League at the Christmas break. A lot like, of rumors about Mr. Beck joining Mr. Beck. Well, they're going to go all in. Join Jack. Yeah, um, they're going to go all in. Kind of the plan, um, really, from the start of last year, you could say, or even before that, when they officially started to think about the bid for the Memorial Cup. Um, obviously, they wanted to host and get that automatic, but it's nice to do some hard work and and get there. Um, you know, throughout the entire playoffs. So, um, yeah, I thought that was that was something to look at. And I mean, then you hop over to the Eastern Conference. And the way Mississauga started, you're like, yeah, they'll definitely have less than ten regulation losses um, before Christmas. Well, every team has more than ten regulation losses in the Eastern Conference, except the Brantford Bulldogs, who unfortunately, for whatever reason, can't seem to win an extra time because um, yeah. they've lost seven. Um, past regulation, six in overtime, one in a shootout. And, I mean, we've seen a couple of cool overtime moments for the Bulldogs where they have won, but you just think where they'd be at if they were able to pick up another win or two off of those seven losses past regulation. So um, just an interesting thing that I looked at, and I'm like, after the Bulldogs start to the season, they only have nine regulation losses heading into Christmas. That's yes. that's a huge accomplishment. And they have Big points in their last five games, five, two, and three in their last ten. Um, and no team in the East really has stood out in the last ten. I would say the five, Oshawa, two, and three marks one of the top teams. Um, Oshawa, six, two, and two. That's the best over that span. Oshawa's but... on fire five in a row. Yeah. It's fire. Just... That's a team that does not want to go to the Christmas break right now. When no. you're like that, you want to play. You want to play. Um, you just hope that momentum continues to go after the break because they got some massive in-conference games uh, after that break. Yeah, and it just shows you how close the East is. Between first and eight, seven points yes. separates eight teams. And then in the West, um, tw- uh, 21. Yeah, 21 points separate first and eighth. Um, big difference, that's for sure. Um, but kind of tells you what the Eastern Conference has been like, what the Western Conference has been like uh, to date here. So um, those are kind of some news, notes, thoughts on the weekend headlines um, from this past week heading into the Christmas break. Um, but let's get to the player of the week and goaltender of the week. Then we'll hit the break here. Um, like Colin mentioned a few minutes ago, Ruslan Gazazov, uh, OHL player of the week, three goals, eight assists. He had 11 points. Over three games, London Knights earning themselves six points. Thanks to Gazazov. He was very, very good. Um, also in consideration for the award from the Peterborough Peets, Jax Dubois, four goals, three assists in three games for the Peets. And Connor Lockhart, six goals and 
three wins for the generals. Like you mentioned, they had five wins in a row heading into Christmas uh, goaltender of the week. Well, let's stick with the Oshawa generals, Jacob Oster uh, picking up that marquee was three and Oh, two goals against average save percentage of nine fifteen. Also in consideration for the award, Michael Simpson, uh, of the London Knights was 2-0, 2.42 goals against average, save percentage of 9.17. And then head up to the Sioux, Charlie Schenkel um, was also very good. He was 2-0, a 2.50 goals against average, save percentage of 9.09. All right, let's hit the break. When we come back, we will look at um, some surprises, maybe some disappointments, um, players who we think could get to 50 goals, who we think could get to 100 points, the power rankings and some quick insight into the world junior hockey championships, which we'll now see. Well, still technically five OHLers, but uh, Poitra being added to team Canada. We will get into that a little bit more next here on the OHL in 60 podcast. Welcome back to the OHL and 60 podcast. I'm Reese Dumaney along with Colin Ward. As mentioned off the top, celebrating year number four of the Owen 60 podcast and OHL in 60 podcast. Um, last show, again, before the new year, before the World Juniors and before we break for the holidays. Um, so let's get into it, Colin. Um, we will start with some teams who have surprised us, some teams who we thought would be a little bit better uh, at this point. Um, and we can start in the Eastern Conference. We'll go by conference here, Wardy. Um, and we can get, let's do one each. So one team that we've really thought has surprised us this year and one team that we're like, dang, we thought they'd be way better. Um, yeah. So let, let, let you can start, Wardy. Let's start in the Eastern Conference. What's one team that has really surprised you to this point uh, in the 23-24 season? Team that surprised me so far, and um, I think right now, and then like the I guess the not so surprised, I guess, but like I'm surprised. Um, I thought Sudbury would be a lot better. Um, I thought I'd be a little bit more impressed with Sudbury to be honest. You're sitting in fourth place in the Eastern Conference. I thought Sudbury coming into the season having them as one of the powerhouses. And I think that's a team that's going to catch it. That's going to get real hot um, post world juniors in the deadline. Um, I think that's a team that's going to go all in as well. Mm -hmm. And I think it sets up for them with the Eastern conference because some teams got to take the Eastern conference and run with it. And I think Sudbury is a team that can do so, but I just saw Sudbury, the wins. I thought it would be there a little bit more. Um, and I'm just surprised with them. Uh, not being where they, or I guess I'm surprised with them being in the standings and just underachieving early on in the year, but they found their stride recently, but I'm honestly, I'm surprised with Sudbury. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good one. Um, for me, I think, where do I start? Disappointment, surprise, both. I started with disappointment. Um, yeah. So I, I'll go disappointment as well. Um, I, I really thought that the, um, that the Peterborough Peets, and I don't want to use the Peets. I guess that could be more of my surprise, but um, in, in all honesty, the Barry Colts, um, I kind of had my teams backwards there. The Barry Colts have kind of been disappointing to me. 
Um, You know, you expect a lot more out of Marty Williamson coach teams. And I know he's had bad teams in the past, um, whether it be in his first stint in Barry, whether it be in Niagara. Um, I just, I thought we'd see more from the Colts. I thought they'd be one of the teams, um, maybe not competing for a division title, but up there with the, with Sudbury and, and North Bay and, um, you know, in the Mississauga, Niagara is still yeah. kind of in their own category a little bit, but, um, you know, I really thought Barry would be a lot better than a 25 point team heading into Christmas. Um, you know, Hillebrandt has been, has been very good for the Colts. Can't say any bad things about him. Yeah. And it's a matter of if he's going to be a Barry Colt when he comes back another from, name from on the, the world juniors. Yeah. Um, you know, Bo Gelsma, another guy that, and again, he's been, he's been good for the Colts. Oh, he's been a guy they've relied on. So, um, you know, no issues there whatsoever. I just thought as a collective group, you would be looking at a team that, again, we're not looking as a first, second, third or fourth place team, but maybe around that five, six, seven range in the Eastern conference. And they just haven't been there. So um, special teams, a big factor in that 14% on the power play, 67% on the penalty kill. Um, so that's a leading cause, but um, yeah, the Colts, I would say I'm a little disappointed with them. I thought they'd be a, a heck of a lot better than they are right now. Yeah, I like that one as well, Reese. My honestly, I guess surprise, but in a good way, I got to go with Brantford in the East. The way they started on the year, it was almost most disappointing, but I think you got to be pleased with this. Like you mentioned, 15 and nine. The fact that they only have nine regulation losses after their start, having yeah. three losses in the first week of the season. Um, they've only lost six games since the first week and a half of this, se- of this season. That's how good they've been. So if you look at it like that, I got to go with Brantford. Yeah, yeah for, plays a joke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have our own thoughts on that. Um, yeah, for Dog me and I, Audio Network. Yeah, and 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 for me, I mean, I know they're going to sell. They're going to get worse. And I hate saying a team's going to get worse, but they are because they're going to sell or they have to sell. They already kind of are. Um, but but the Peterborough Peets. Um, I mean, surprised the fact that they had been near the top for pretty well the entire first half of the season minus the last two to three weeks um, as they've lost four in a row and they're two and eight in their last 10. Um, but for me, I think they're still in a very competitive spot, no matter, you know, whether and they're going to sell, but um, no matter who goes, maybe uh, an experienced guy or young guys come in and fill a role. But I think they've put themselves in a position where they know the selling's coming but you're still very much in it where even if you fall back a bit, you've built a nice cushion between yourself and the ninth place team. Um, now I know there's still a lot of hockey to be played and that could very well change. Um, however, I see the Barry Colts doing the same thing. The Pete's are. So for me, a, a nice surprise is the Pete's the fact that they were near number one, number two, number three um, for 75 to 80% of the season so far. And that they've put themselves in a position where they know they're going to fall back, but they've built that cushion. Well, here's some here. Here's the question that I have to ask you, Reese. Yeah. Six, seven, eight, nine, and 10. Obviously, the Eastern Conference. Honestly, you can include five as well. Maybe not this year, being at 35 points. They're kind of in the middle of North Bay. They're, but Oshawa, Peterborough, Kingston, Barry, Niagara. I honestly have a gut feeling only one of those teams buys, and it's Oshawa. They haven't had a full lineup. They're on fire right now. Oshawa, when was the last? You know, it's been a while since they've been competitive in the playoff hunt and at the top yeah. of the conference. 
kind of the same time as Niagara, really, 2019. Yeah, 2019 is kind of the last time. Yeah, and they didn't really buy. They sold and then bought. Got better. So it put themselves even. Kind of like what Brantford slash Hamilton did last year. Yeah. I wonder. I think that's – I have a gut feeling they're going to buy. With the way they've played, they come out, they win those conference games out of the break, they'll buy. By what, we'll see. And the way they've done it with Lockhart already, we have saw a couple of moves. I think Oshawa, the way they talk, they kind of want to go buy. What they're going to buy is going to be interesting. Yeah. They definitely need a goalie because if Oster goes down, they're in trouble. Um, then they go from being in the sixth spot to probably the eighth seed or the ninth seed in the conference. Yeah. Um, that dramatic of a drop if their goaltending goes down, like any team, though. So that's I kind of want to run that by you, what you thought about that. But I have a gut feeling Oshawa buys, but... Kingston should sell. Peterborough should sell. Yeah, will we'll sell. Barry will sell. Niagara will sell. Kingston's kind of the bubble team. I think Kingston will sell. I would sell if I was them. Who knows what they'll do? But mm-hmm. um, I think that's the team that should sell. And then any other team. I mean, you're in a dip, you're in a tough decision. Do you stay the same in North Bay? There's a question mark on them. Yep. Go to the conference finals two years in a row. It's kind of there for the taking this year if they want it. If they want to go for it again and again, yeah. is year three the year they finally get into the OHL finals and win the Eastern Conference? That's what that's they, a, they have the horses. Yeah, that's the thing, right? And the fact that they 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 get Divincentis back, they get Nelson back um, from the World Juniors or from Team Canada, you could say um, Team Canada camp. Um, they are in a position to to move ahead and try and get to the top of the of the central division because they have been running it for the last two years. And you could say even maybe back potentially to the 2019-2020 shortened season that they were still a very competitive team then. Yeah. So um, like they have pieces. They have the pieces. Yeah, they are able to do it. If you think of one team in the East where you're like, they've been so good, like Windsor, but not even close to Windsor this year um, as Windsor's yeah. just way down. But yep. – you think that's the one team where you're like third time could be the charm if they wanted it. Um, like you said, if they want that's it, they the could do it. it is. Yeah. So yeah. no, that's an interesting point, Colin. Cause yeah, I think out of all those teams, Oshawa definitely would, I would think they would buy um, if not do nothing. Um, yeah. But everyone else below them, if, if there's no selling going on, then. They're not going to win. Tough, that's a tough future coming up. Yeah, they're not going to win. It's simple. Like, I think... they're, not, they're, not a con- they're not a contender. Yeah. Um, And it's funny. Like, we talked about the West, right, having, having its tears. Now, when you look at the East, Reese, I on, going into the season, going into the season, Ottawa, Sudbury were the two teams. I think the two most popular teams to be the teams in the conference. Yeah. I think those teams are forced to buy being with what they are. Sudbury, it's going to be a long year next year. They're going to buy. They're going to buy. Yep. Um, Ottawa, this was supposed to be their year. Last year, everyone, including myself, talked. Next year, Denoso McKenzie back. Good defense score. Next year's their year. I know they went all in, but next year they should be really good. They <laughs> haven't really created momentum and took a stranglehold in the East. And in fact, they let Branford, Sudbury, not including Mississauga and North Bay, back in contention to win the Eastern Conference. Um, Mississauga, Brantford were two teams, I think, five and six, four, five, and six in the Eastern Conference with North Bay. I think when you looked up into the Eastern Conference at the beginning of the year, you go Ottawa slash Sudbury, Mississauga, Brantford, or North Bay, Mississauga, Brantford, Oshawa, in that order, and then Kingston. 
Yeah. No, it's interesting. It's definitely interesting to see how the East has turned out, but we talked about the West. So I just want to quickly give it my thoughts on that. And it's just interesting to see no teams really taking advantage in the last eight weeks. We've talked about this on the show, how the Eastern conference, does any team want the Eastern conference? Cause sometimes it doesn't look like it one weekend. You'll see a really good weekend. The next you'll see a horrible weekend and shout out to the Niagara ice dogs for a great two weeks. You could say. Yeah. Yeah, four and six in their last ten. Um, I mean, special teams are still atrocious, but you got to work. Still work. You're still working towards a, a goal in Niagara, and that's getting back to a com- consistent, competitive um, yep. OHL season. Um, yeah, I mean, twenty-one points on the season for them. Um, I I don't want to say that there was. We thought there was no way they would get to twenty-one mm-hmm. points this season, but um, you know, they're twelve points away from matching their total from last year and i would think they're very far ahead of what they were last year i don't even think it's a like a close comparison whatsoever all they need is four more wins to match last year's total so um for them i'm not saying that they've been a competitive team consistently but we've seen a more competitive team than we did last year so they're still in that bottom tier that they need to realize what their identity is for a full 68 um and coaching consistency will help with that we'll see if uh boudreau can can get a long-term i don't know if you want to say deal situation worked out um but some consistency in the in the niagara ice dogs coaches coaches room we talk about those quote-unquote fake coaches' contracts in the Ontario Hockey League that just get out to simmer the fans on rumors about going elsewhere and going pro jobs. That's a franchise that needs to sign yeah. a coach for three years. Just do it. Just release that you have extended Boudreaux for three years, Niagara. Just do it. Because yeah. all of a sudden, it's no more, okay, we lose a game. But he's not going to get fired. We just signed him. Please announce that extension, Niagara. Announce yeah. the extension like you should have did for Kuabara. Announce that decision for uh, Boudreaux because if you don't do it, you know what's going to happen next year if they go on a losing skid or at the beginning of this year, uh, in the new year. Who knows? But that's a team. Just announce that to create some stability and get the media off your back. If you're ownership in the front office, like just do it. Yeah. Just do it. Um, because those mean nothing. But for the fans – and for some people, it kind of does mean something. So it kind of eliminates that talk and eliminates that topic out of the area, mm-hmm. which is kind of nice. You don't really need that when you can control that press. You um, you don't really need to allow that to happen. So I was just thinking about that. They should just announce it. Just announce it. On, just announce it like this week. No time. Announce it on like Thursday afternoon or Wednesday afternoon. Just announce that we have extended uh, Boudreaux. Just do it. That'd yeah. be hilarious. But it would be It'd be the right move, honestly. If I'm looking at Niagara, it's the right move. Just announce the extension to say two, three-year extension. They mean nothing. If you, you can obviously in the Ontario Hockey League, if you're a coach, you can get the promotion to National Hockey League, any pro hockey league that you want. Yep. So why not? Just take the extension, name an extension. They mean nothing. There is it's not a, like a pay raise. It's nothing like that. It's just a stability thought process for fans. And I think it's hilarious how we got to do this for some fan bases, but Hey, I think that's what they have to do um, in Niagara and just like show that you have a voice for at least a long time and know that there is a, some sort of plan. You have a guy, you have confidence in a guy because they haven't had confidence in a guy in this ownership yet. Yeah. 
Uh, all right, the Western Conference, Colin. Um, we started with a team that's been a little disappointing in the East. Let's do the same here in the West. Um, for me, it, it's a Windsor Spitfires, and I don't. For me, this wasn't really a um, a really tough thought. Um, I knew they wouldn't be as good as they were the last two years. Did I expect them to be this bad? Not really. 159 yeah. goals against. Um, I mean, Those they're over 500 they in their last 10. Um, so that's a yeah. that's a nice positive. But I just I thought they'd be a lot more competitive than this. We've seen a lot of games where we've seen them give up six plus goals. Um, and we've seen that happen in consecutive games. Um, you know, whereas and obviously tough having a, a first year head coach and then he doesn't make it through to even till Christmas. Um, so obviously there's that internal issue, but at the same time, um, I thought their goaltending was good enough to be a more competitive team than this. I really liked Joey Costanzo. I thought he had a really good opportunity to be look at his draft, be really good. Um, obviously the help in front of him isn't what it was in the last year or two, but at the same time, I still think that, um, Windsor, I thought could have been better. That's where I'm going to leave it at. 100% 100% absolutely agree with you on that one, Reese. It's funny. Do you want to talk about teams with like pretty good, decent players on that team that you could buy? Um, if you're a buying team, Windsor has a ton that you can still buy. I mean, Oliver Pierce, a game changer. Um, Mayette's a game changer. Uh, and honestly, looking at draft prospect, who's an A ranked prospect, um, if Windsor's going to be in a long rebuild in Liam Greentree, yeah, um, if it's going to go long, right? Like, I mean, you're in a draft year. He's got three years right? or two years. Um, he has two years after this for sure, possibly. So if it's a long rebuild, get the picks now, shoot high. You never know, right? What happens to consistency? He catches, he turns into Matthew Poitra and he only spends one year here. And next thing you know, he's in Boston. Yeah. Right. So we'll see. But um, I like that one, Reese, with Windsor. But for me, I got to go with the Owen Sound Attack. In my opinion, the Owen Sound Attack, who I had. Tops in the division at the beginning of the year. Um, with the way their team is, Carter George coming into the playoffs last year and winning big games. Um, the way he the way he can play, the way he can conduct the net. Um, I thought that this team and the way they have around them, the, what they have. I mean, Colby Barlow. Let's face it, really hasn't had the year you thought he was going to have as a first round pick. Yeah, um, I'm shocked that the year they've had Owen Sound. There's just been no stability there at all. Um, including off the ice, as we know from the suspension last week. Um, it's been a train wreck in Owen Sound, quite frankly. I mean, Owen Sound's headed on the one-way plane ticket to sell town here in, like, a big sell at the trade deadline. Like, a big sell. And if I'm Ottawa, Sudbury, I'm all in on Colby Barlow. I am all, on him, all in on him or Cedric Gaindon as well. Local kid from Ottawa. Perfect fit for Ottawa, it looks like. But that's a team that has sell written all over it. There's been no stability there. And I, if the definition of underachieving, I picked on Sudbury in the East, but I'm doubling that on Owen Sound. Owen Sound has to be better. Um, they just haven't been great. They're plus three, but they're 5 4 0 oh, 1 in their last 10. They just haven't been good enough. Um, they haven't been good enough. In, Quite frankly, when you're in sixth place in a conference, five, four, and one in ten game spans aren't going to get it done. Yeah. Um, it's going to keep you in sixth place in cell train. Um, Owen Sound is my uh, team that I'm very disappointed in. I thought they'd be a lot better than this. 
Uh, so a team that's been a little bit of a surprise. Um, I'm going to do a small thing on Kitchener right now because I didn't have them being near close to where they were. And again, like much like the Peterborough Peets last season, I, I was wrong. They went out, won a championship, yeah. and I didn't think they were going to um, after how they ended the regular season, whereas Kitchener didn't think they would be where they are right now. And they've, they've proved me wrong, so good on them yeah. um, being number one. Um, but, but a bigger, um, and a nice surprise I would say is the Erie Otters. Um, and they were my team that was going to be a surprise for the league this season. And I don't know if surprise is the right word, but a team that maybe people aren't expecting to make a lot of headlines or be, um, a very competitive team. Not that they've been top tier, but they're a team that's over 500. Um, you know, give them credit for going out and getting Ben Godro, who is near the tops when it comes to wins in the Ontario Hockey League. Um, so that's credit to the front office. I like that move. They've given themselves a chance to win and some stability in the net, at least for the rest of this year with Godro being in, being in OA. But, um, you know, it gives them an opportunity to be competitive in a conference that is very top-heavy this year. Um, and I don't think we're going to see Erie get past the number six spot. I think that's kind of where the two tiers fall off between that London and Guelph, and then you've got the rest of the Western Conference. Um, so you'll be looking at them, Owen Sound and Flint, um, you know, competing for the number six through eight spots. Um, but for the Erie Otters, um, they've been a nice surprise for me. I've really enjoyed the watching some games. And I mean, goal differential is minus, but it's not awful. Um, you know, we're just looking at minus 18. The power plays at 27%. It's tough to not notice that from a seventh place team. Um, penalty kills got to be better. But um, I like the Erie Otters. I like the start that they've had to their season. Not high expectations whatsoever, but I've liked that they've surprised me a little bit in the fact that they're an over 500 team and they're in the mix to be the sixth place team heading into the playoffs. Oh, absolutely. I like that one with Erie as well. Reese, Erie's been really good. Um, and um, just consistency with them as well. But the Godro ad was massive. Um, that's huge for them. You need a goalie and a veteran goaltender just eases the tension back there for a young team. And they have a massive potential um, to get better. And it'll be interesting to see what happens here at the deadline with the Erie. But that's a team where I think they stay still and trade the older players that they can trade if they get good offers and continue to build this successful rebuild and get it into place where they can be. Because this is a positive year for them for, my, for sure. Um, for me, I got to go with the Sioux Greyhounds. I wasn't high on Sioux coming into the season. I'll openly admit that. Um, I thought it was hard on the Sioux St. Marie Greyhounds. But, hey, speaking of hard, this team plays hard. Um, they're high compete level. Um, they're always engaged. They never take an off night, which I think is the most impressive thing with the Sioux St. Marie Greyhounds. It's very rare you see them take an off period, let alone. Um, they work hard. Um, there's a team that's going to go all in at the deadline. And the Sioux Greyhounds for me are my surprise team, pleasantly surprised team so far. Um, because I never had, I was, I was hard on them at the beginning of the year, man. I didn't, quite frankly, I didn't know what their goaltending was going to cut it. Right now it has. Um, and I thought they could score a lot of goals, but they'd give up a lot of goals. And man, I sound silly about saying that one because yes, they score a lot of goals, but their defense has been great. And their defense back there is loaded and they're physical and they're talented and um, they're tough to play against. And uh, Sioux Greyhounds for me are the most pre pleasantly surprised team 
um, this year in the Western Conference for me. All right, so then let's get to who we think could score 50. Um, uh, Ray Koff, I think. I think that's yep. an obvious one uh, for both of us. Um, so really, this would be a more more of a conversation for the guys below him. And we're looking yeah. at Nick Lardis with 25, uh, Anthony Romani with 24, Porter Martone with 24, who has been very hot of late. Yeah. Um, and then Luca Pinelli with the Ottawa 67s at 23. It's a lot of goals. Uh, it is. And even I would say, and Nick Lars, very capable. We watch him day in, day out. Um, we easily think he could probably get to 50 goals. Um, it's, it's when you start to get to the lower twenties where you're like, it, yeah. it could be a stretch. Um, and I mean, with Ottawa, Mississauga teams that could be near the top of the Eastern conference standings come the end of the season. Um, you'll have to keep this pace. If you're Martone or Pinelli to, to keep your team up there and help your team progress that way. Um, and the same with Nick Lardis, of course. Um, I'm in on Nick Lardis getting 50. Um, I think he gets there. Um, I think it's a lot tougher if you're Luca Pinelli to get to 50. You have to score, well, that'll be 27. Um, Lardis yeah. scoring 25, still that's tough, man. 27 is hard. Um, and really anybody but Rakoff is looking at uh, an uphill battle to get to 50. Yeah. Well, Rakoff needs 19 goals in the last half of the season. What is what is it? Thirty eight games away, thirty seven games away from the end of the season. Uh, um, for the Kitchener Rangers, 36. they are literally halfway through thirty four. Yeah, thirty four. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah, you know that's tough. Sixty two goals. But he's got to score nineteen. Score? So he's yeah. got to score nineteen <laughs> goals. He has to score nineteen goals. Man, Rakoff, yes. Now we look at it, and this is hilarious, eh? Because looking at the goal scoring, looking at the top five goal scorers right now in the Ontario Hockey League, Rakoff from Kitchener, Nick Lardis, Brantford, Anthony Romani from North Bay, um, Porter Martone, for, Martone from Mississauga, and Luca Pinelli from Ottawa. Would you think the Eastern Conference is the worst yeah. conference when you look at the goals? No scoring? kidding, eh? Points yeah. are a little bit different because it's Kitchener, Kitchener, um, and then the rest. But it's just interesting to me. Like, you would never think with the goals scored, with the goal scorers that score, the East would be so bad. Yeah, but it is. Um, Nick Lardis, it all depends, honestly, man. I'm looking at this North Bay and Brantford. What do they do at the deadline? Because I honestly, in my opinion, Porter Martone's there as well. Luca Pinelli, 23 to 24 and 24 to 25 is that one goal is a massive difference for getting it. That's a lot of goals. Yeah. Pinelli, I doubt it. Um, that's a lot. He has 23 goals right now. Get the 50. That's that's a ton. Um, I don't think he gets there, but hats off if you do. Um, show guess you hope he does well. Um, Porter Martone all depends on what Mississauga does at the deadline. You know, he gets on a heater, you never know. Um, Anthony Romani has been incredible this year, probably one of the best undrafted players in the Ontario Hockey League, if not the best undrafted player. Um, it's gonna come close, but what does North Bay do at the deadline? Right now, I'm gonna say no, but if North Bay buys at the deadline, absolutely yes. Um, now Nick Lardis and Branford. What does Brantford do at the deadline? Do they stay the same? If they stay the same, I can see Nick Lardis finishing up 40, 40 to 45 goals this year. Um, so if they stay the same, I say no. But Luca Testa coming back, if Testa plays on a line with Lardis and Thomas, or if they go Jack Eye, Lardis, and Thomas still, which has been the line, and then Bujolv and Acker, Testa, that's pretty nasty. But right now, I'm thinking no to 50, but for sure 45, another 20 goals. I see that for sure with Nick Lardis. But second half of the year, right? Systems get tighter. Team um, playoff hockey starts to come out. The scores start to come down. 
Um, teams know each other. Right now, I say only one in Rakoff, 100% yes. Nick Lardis, I say no as of now, but if they buy Brantford, yes. And that goes for Romani and Martone as well. If they buy, yes. If they sell, no. Or stay the same, mm-hmm. no. All right, so who gets to 100 points then? Um, Rakoff, yeah, I would say yeah. that's a safe guess. Hunter Brustevich. <laughs> Man, <laughs> defenseman with 55 points. If he's gotten to this point halfway through, I, I would say he could get to 100. Um, yeah. Matthew Sop, uh, 53. I think he goes up, man. I think his yeah. man's go up if they buy. Absolutely, if buy, I think for sure. Um, and then you get Romani at 51 points, Goyette at 48. And now with the Kitchener Rangers, they are halfway through their schedule, they do have 34 more games to go. Um, North Bay Battalion. Two more, they have 36 games to play. Sudbury has 37 to play if you're looking at Goyette. Um, I think the Kitchener Rangers are locks here, Colin, um, just yeah. because they're just going to be on fire, I think, in the second half of the season. Um, but again, you're looking at the, that's the top tier, and then you head to Romani, you head to Goyette. Um, you know, it could even go further than that. Luke Misa. Um, he's under 50, so I think that's a stretch, um, even for yeah. Goyette at 48. But, um, you know, I think that uh, that the Rangers are locks and then everyone else is, like you said, with goals. What what does the rest of the team do and what does the front office do? Yeah, I agree with you on those ones reached with Kitchener. I think Rakoff is a lock. Brustevich, I don't know, being a defenseman. Um He's not, honestly, he's been lights out. He's the top defenseman in the Ontario Hockey League. I'd love to see it. I think he gets 90 points this year, which is incredible. Um, another 35 points um, for sure. It'll be close, but right now I say no, and I hope that bites me. I really do because that'd be incredible to see a defenseman get 100 points, but that's very rare to see a defenseman get 100 points. So, so I say no. Um, Sop. Yes, I think he goes off in the second half. I agree with you on that one. Romani, it all depends on what the team does in North Bay right now. No. David Goyette, absolutely. I think he gets another uh, 52 points in the second half. I think David Goyette, the potential is there um, for Sudbury to really buy. And they go all in. David Goyette's your best player, quite frankly. He is their best player. When we talk about the Sudbury Wolves, their best player is David Goyette. I think if Sudbury wants to get better, David Goyette is going to get 100 points if they're going to be a contender, which they think they are. they're exactly like the Peterborough Peach were last year at this time. Um, the Sudbury Wolves. Um, exactly like them. I got David Goyette. Yes. Romani, as of now, no. If they buy, absolutely. Sop, yes. Rasevich, no. Hope so, though. Rakoff, yes. For my uh, top five. All right. To the power rankings, Wardy. Um, the final edition before we hit Christmas. Up one spot, Sarnia, or yeah, Sarnia Sting, uh, up one spot to number 16. Kingston moves up, moves up one to number 15. Owen Sound down one to 14. Peterborough Pete's down two to number 13. Generals move up three to number 12. Otters move up as well. They go one spot to number 11. Uh, Brantford Bulldogs stay the same there to the number 10 seed. Sudbury Wolves down one spot uh, to number nine. In this week's edition, 67's down four spots to number eight. Mississauga down one to seven. North Bay down one to six. London moves up four to number five. 
Guelph moves up three to number four. And then the top three stay the same. Kitchener three, Saginaw two, Sioux St. Marie one. Colin Ward, as we get ready to wrap up the show, the final show of 2024, we will start with your number five this week. Five once again, like last week, I have a tie. Guelph and London tied for fifth on my list. Um, they've been even, man. Uh, they honestly, they've been even. Um, look at this. Look at the penalty kill. The power plays the difference between London and Guelph by far, ten percent. Yeah, um, in favor of London, but the penalty kill is almost exactly the same. Um, you can honestly say, well, Guelph's more disciplined, so it's honestly you can cut them with a knife. It's like cutting butter. It's so tight. Um, I got them tied for fifth right now. Uh, Guelph and London. Yeah, it's tough because, yeah, those three-game win streaks, they're both on London. I mean, they've scored way more goals um, at 34, and that's a big factor that I look at at least uh, when it comes to where you're at uh, in the power rankings because if your ability to put the puck in the back of the net is at a pace like we're seeing in the Western Conference, then there's a chance you're really successful um, when it comes to the OHL playoffs. And, I mean, every team has scored over 100 goals in the Western Conference now. Um, whereas in the East, three teams have not hit the 100 mark, although I expect them to by the new year, um, at least, when when all is said and done at the end of the night on December 31st. Um, as the furthest away team, the Peterborough Pete's at 94. Um, but for me, the number five team this week, and maybe this is off the board because the power play sucks, um, but they have points in their last right. five. Do it. Um, is the Brantford Bulldogs. Do it. Hey, um, I had it last week. Yeah, I had them the, last like, week. No, I like that. Like the, the top four is the West. It's not even close. Um, I think that's going to be the way for me the rest of the way, unless there's a team in the East that really stands out. Um, but, but for me, Brantford puts themselves in that position, A, not only because they've got points in their last five. Um, however, you're looking at the goal differential get a lot better. Um, Mateo yep. Droback has been really good in the Brantford net. And, and of course, David Igorov, he's the goalie of the future. Everybody knows that in Brantford. Um, but for Droback to come in as an OA, that's a nice guy to have in front of you if you're David Igorov. So, um, for the Bulldogs, they've just been, they've been a lot better, um, for 60 minutes at a time. Um, you're not seeing a whole lot of lulls minus the first 40 minutes against Kitchener in Brantford. Um, but, but they've found themselves in a spot with less than 10 regulation losses. And that's Absolutely. a big factor as well. So they're number five, six since October, which yeah. is crazy. Um, four for me, the Brantford Bulldogs, exactly. Like you said, I think in you look at the Eastern conference right now over the last, since Halloween, the Brantford Bulldogs have been the best team in the Eastern conference since Halloween. Um, they've beaten Ottawa handily this year. Um, They've taken care of business. The only team they haven't beat that's in front of them right now is Mississauga. They only played them once, and it was bad. And that was in that first, that was in the Thanksgiving weekend where they lost three over the first week and a half of the season, and then only lost six games since then in regulation, which is impressive. Um, Brantford to me is four. That power play gets going, man. That's the one thing about that team that that's going to be their Achilles heel: the power play. And it's going to be the question all year for them when we talk about them. The pr- the question is the power play. The power play can take off. This team's a contender. If not, well, they're not a contender. And then they should do at the cell train. But right now, um, they've played well. They have goaltending. The defense has played well. Tom Tomash Hamra has been impressive since coming over at plus 27 on the season. Um, 
they've been great, and uh, we'll see what happens here down the stretch. But I believe that uh, if the power play gets going, why not? Um, why not start this year instead of a lot instead of next year for Brantford? Uh, number four for me is going to be the London Knights. Um, the, and that's the set difference of the separation between them and Guelph is the goals for and the power play. Um, those are two big factors that I look at. And I mean, the, the point differential between Guelph and Brantford is three. Guelph being ahead at 40, Brantford being at 37. Um, it, it's just, I think, when you look at, um, you know, they're pretty well even. Brantford a little bit better in the last 10 when it comes to points gained. Um, so that's why they just sneak out their number six. Um, however, London is number four for me. Getting to 20 wins, I think, was big for the Knights uh, moving forward. Still with a couple of games in hand on the Rangers who are leading that division. A lot of work to do, but I, but I really like the London Knights and kind of the way they've been playing with 137 goals scored to date. Yeah, absolutely. Um, three for me is the Saginaw Spirit, red hot. Four in a row. Um, this team doesn't lose two games in a row, which is huge. Um, Saginaw's three. It's gonna stay the same. Yeah, yeah. My <laughs> last I think three my, weeks. My top three are the same. Um, it doesn't change at all. Saginaw number three. The way you outlined it, less than ten regulation losses, goal differentials there. Four in a row. Eight and two in their last ten. Special teams has been phenomenal. Um. They're the hosts, but they got a lot of work to do if they want to get to the top of the Western Conference still. So they're still number three, but they're, I think I've said it the third week in a row, they're still on the right track to where they want to go. Yeah. Yeah, The only reason why they are not two, one or two, because two, I have the Kitchener Rangers still for the third, third week in a row, it's going to stay the same for me. Um, Kitchener losing to Sue. That was my decider. I've had Sue as the one seed the last three weeks now. Mm-hmm. So if they would have lost, I would have made the decision that head to head means a lot to me. Um, I got Kitchener two. And the only reason why Saginaw's not up there to two and one and two is because eight regulation losses for Kitchener and Sue. Yeah. You can't go against that, um, quite frankly. And as good as Saginaw's been, Kitchener and Sue have been incredible, and the Kitchener Rangers are just a big, hard force team to move. Um, they're a hard team to play against. Kitchener's two for me, and that team's not going anywhere. And I'm pumped for Kitchener. Um, Kitchener deserves this. You know how hard it would be for to be a fan hearing all offseason that your team's going to be a complete joke. Um, last year was your year. Look forward to the future just right off the year. That would be very hard for a fan to hear that. And the fact that this happens, um, enjoy it. And all the best now um, in Kitchener and um, our town. Go out and support your team. Um, go out and support them. They're a very good hockey club. Um, and get to the arena, get to the odd, and rock the odd. Because there's no better building in the CHL, in my opinion, than Kitchener Memorial Auditorium, the odd, when um, they're winning. There's no better building. Yeah, London has all the bells and whistles, but Kitchener, Kitchener is junior hockey. Kitchener's number two to me. Yeah, mine's going to stay the same. Sue at number two. Um, you know, a, a lot of, again, a lot of it has to do the power play. I've liked a lot better for Kitchener. Um, goals four, obviously a big factor as well. Um, but I mean, it, it really is that close. We're talking about one game played more for the Kitchener Rangers, 34, Sue 33. Um, one thing I do like about the Greyhounds and something that'll work out um, very well for them down the stretch in the playoffs. Um, a nice trend you could say is that they are pretty well 
yeah, they're just under a hundred penalty minutes lower than Kitchener. And that could be an issue when you're the Rangers is if you keep taking penalties and you keep, you know, going down a man, teams can take advantage of that. They take advantage of that in the playoffs. So that's the one thing I'd be concerned about for Kitchener. Whereas the Sioux, the fact that you're able to stay that much more disciplined than the team in front of you, I think is big. Um, It's just, I, Kitchener's still one. um, And and it's hard for me to, to get off of that because of how good they've been. And it, 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 we'll see how a Rakoff-less Rangers team looks. Um, but I think that that means Brustevich is going to really step up. And I mean, a defenseman stepping up for a forward. How can that happen, Reese? Yeah. Oh, when you have 55 points, I think it's pretty easily uh, done. Absolutely. So, so Sue's still number two for me. <laughs> yeah, and Sue's one for me. I think with Sue... I love the team, man. They work hard. Right now, out of the teams I've watched in the Ontario Hockey League, Sault Ste. Marie has caught my eye the most as being the best team. Um, I think they're the hardest team to play against right now. Um, and it's fitting that the two best teams in the league are the two uh, teams like that that are the two hardest teams to play against. The teams that I've saw this year that are two by far. Um, but right now, Sue to me, just been loaded after over the last 10 games. And they've been like this all year. Um, they don't take penalties. Uh, they're just a well-disciplined team and work their butts off. I love the way Sue plays the game, man. The way, if you're a Sue fan, the way they play, how they work hard every shift, they get under their opponent's skin, um, just the way they play, that's how you want a team to play. Like, yeah. they play playoff hockey. They play playoff hockey every night. Um, hopefully they don't get worn out, but Sue, to me, is the one seed. Just the way they play, man, they're built for the playoffs. They're built for a run. The fact that they haven't even made trades yet is scary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and Kitchener are going to continue to be number one for me until really they're passed um, by by any team, although I think the Sioux has the best chance to do it. But, um, you know, plus 59 goal differential. Um, I, I think they're well on their way to be the leading um, the highest scoring team in the Ontario Hockey League this season. Um, you know, past 10 has been impressive, 7-1-2, and two, so that's points in nine of their last 10. Um, there's a lot to like about Kitchener, so that's that's why they continue Absolutely. to be number one. Um, again, very close, but but yeah, they're, they're still on top for me. Um, all right, uh, Colin, I think we've ran out of time here. We've gone way into overtime, so quickly, World Juniors. Um First, second, and third. I know it's it'll be tough to look at, but um, it's a tournament that a lot of people are looking at the U.S. and they're like, "This is a scary squad here." Um, obviously, in Canada, we're still we're still all for the the red and white. Um, the U.S. though, a scary squad. So, I mean, a tough question that's for sure. Um, but quickly here, as we wrap up the final show of 2023. Um, what do you think about the top three teams in, in the world juniors and who do we, who do you think will be taking home gold, silver, uh, and bronze? Well, the thing is about the States though, man, they got to actually get it done. It's like the States not to pick on too much, but to pick on them a lot. They're kind of like the Leafs every year. They're going to win the cup, yeah. but they never do. Yep. Um, it's been a couple of years now. I mean, I guess it's been two years since they've won, but is it actually going to translate? Uh, right now, I have Sweden won. That defense core in Sweden is loaded. Um, absolutely loaded. And it's funny. I got a, got a message a couple of weeks there, last week, actually. We were talking about the defense core. And we were talking about the 
COVID one, the bubble year where it was like Edvinson, Andrea, it, like the defense core on Sweden was loaded. This year it's right there with that decor um, in Sweden. So I, th- I have Sweden one, Canada two, US three, Finland four um, for my picks. Yeah. yeah. And it's still interesting what a tournament with Russia would look like, but of course them not being participants uh, in the world junior championships. Um, for me, I think the U S gets it done. Um, you know, and, and obviously we're hoping this doesn't come to be true because we are still Canadian. We are still rooting for Canada. Um, however, I, I, I like the U S but you're right, Colin, they got to actually do it. Um, they've got the talent to do it, but they actually have to do it. Um, and, and I think they will. So I think they're one, um, it's tough to, when you look at divisions and trying to, to line things up and and all that, um, you know, I think, I think Sweden will be number two. Um, and I think Canada will be number three. Perfect. Yeah. It's all on the goaltending. It's all on the goaltending for Canada. Yeah. All right, Colin. Well, that'll put a cap on not only um, the show, but our 2023 calendar year for the OHL and 60 podcast, put a cap on four complete years now into our fifth year um, of the OHL and 60 podcast. Um, It's been fun. And again, everybody out there, we appreciate it week in week out, everybody tuning in. And of course we go overtime every single time. Um, it's not exactly 60 minutes right on the button, but we try to get as much content in as possible and, and it seems to be working out well. So again, everybody, thank you so much for tuning in throughout the entire season um, from Colin Ward um, and myself, wish everybody Merry Christmas, uh, happy new year and well, happy world juniors, because that's a pretty big event that goes on throughout the holidays. So Absolutely. Uh, appreciate it as always. And well, let's do some math here. We will chat again in 21 days.